We're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 9 and 10, and we're in this series on uh, people following Christ and what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it looks like. And we're tracking those early followers, those early believers, and saying, what did it look like for them? What does it look like for us? And that's kind of lined up with the, the, the PFC family values or membership expectations that we have. And uh, the one that we have that we're uh, kind of dealing with right now um, today is putting our gifts to use. That's what we're talking about today, is getting, uh, getting in the game, using what God has given us to get involved, okay? Uh, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. You can turn there with me. And uh, I know you've stood a lot this morning, but I'm going to ask you to stand again in honor of God's word, please. We're going to be in the first six verses initially of Luke chapter 9, okay? This is about Jesus sending out the 12 disciples for the first time. They're flying solo here. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. Do not have two tunics. (laughs) And whatever, tunics are not underwear. By the way, that's outerwear, okay? I don't know if they could pack extra underwear. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there depart, and, whenever, and whenever, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Awesome story. You flip over one chapter to chapter 10, and he expands the group who he's sending out. Now it's 72. It says, In verse 1 of chapter 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's stop and pray. God, we ask that you would send out laborers into your harvest. We realize that where we are standing right now used to be a field that had all sorts of different crops in it that would be harvested. But on this land that we stand now are homes and people, and the harvest is great. God, raise up the workers in the name of Jesus. Verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of the wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for, your, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. That was all about like don't find the next good meal. (laughs) Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the mighty works done in you, they've been done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented. 
long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handled, handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Blessed be God's word. You can have a seat. So many of our relationships have really interesting dynamic in which we grow in those relationships. I have a couple uncles who uh, I wasn't all that tight with initially, um, and uh, until I started, one of them has a flower shop down in Overbrook, and I started working as a kid in his flower shop, and uh, that was some interesting work in Overbrook. And so I was working with him. I have another uh, uncle who I knew, uh, you know, I remember playing catch with him a little bit. But then when I was in college, he had this snow removal business. And I remember him being like, come down here at like, you know, 3 a.m. and you're going to shovel with me through a shovel in my hand. And in the process of working for those two uncles, I developed a relationship with those uncles that I wouldn't have had outside of that context. And if you think about the relationships in your life, so many of our relationships are either born or flourish when we have a common goal that we're trying to achieve together. You know, this guy here, I know uh, when we were at Moody, we, were, we had a common goal, and it was to get this little ball like this in the back of a net. That was our goal. And, uh, and we, we, our relationship grew and thrived. You know, Jay McCumber and I lead Netzer together, and uh, we had a common goal, and it was to try to be cool in high school. Um, and it didn't work. And the, uh, we actually had uh, a couple common goals, and, and it was largely about playing sports. But then we had another friend who dragged us out onto High Street in Pottstown with this expressed intent of sharing the gospel with people who were in need. And I remember being so freaked out about it, but in the process of going way outside of my comfort zone, trying to accomplish a goal that the Lord was calling us into together, God built an eternal bond in our hearts that grew into things that we would have never imagined it growing into. When relationships have the ability to work side by side, to sweat 
side by side, to get hands dirty side by side, it creates a whole nother level in the relationship where we're able to actually, you know, if you can swing a hammer with someone or, or work a rake with someone or whatever it is that we do side by side with that person, that can create sparks, but it expands things to a whole nother level in the relationship, right? Has that been your experience? Our relationship with God is very, very similar to this. Our relationship with God in the scriptures is described in many, many different ways. There's a lot of different angles and perspectives on what our relationship with God looks like, both individually and corporately as the church. However, there is one piece in there that's so vital, and you hear me, one of the the mantras, one of the things that we talk about all the time is that at Parker Ford Church, we are purpose before mission. We believe in the great commandment before we believe in the great commission, which means we believe in relating to God before we reveal God, that our hearts have to go to God and sit with God so he can fill us up so that we can go out. However, if it ever gets stuck at the place where we think our relationship is just sitting there in the living room with God and never moving beyond, we're going to someday look around and realize, man, this is a really empty room because Jesus is out hitting the streets and we didn't go with him. Because Jesus is a God of action. He's on the move. And he loves people more than he loves anything else. He just loves us. He loves his father more than he loves anything else. But he loves us. And he just wants to be with us. But so much of that being with God is not just static. It's in motion. It's moving. Because his love is a love of action. And it's on the move. And so he has this amazing perspective when it comes to his relationships. Every, if you look at the Gospels, every one of Jesus' relationships fits within the context of mission. There is mission. Even his mom and even his uncle, Zechariah, even them, when they were proclaimed that Jesus would be coming, they were told it in the context of a mission that he was to accomplish. And then when he goes and creates mission, creates relationship with other guys, this is what he does. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's on the move. We got to walk with him in the mission. And then, of course, when he gets to John 17 and he's praying to the Father and it's the night of the crucifixion, you know, and he's sitting there praying with the Father and he says, Lord, as you have sent me, so I have sent them. And we just read about how he sent them, right? And how he sent them into it. And then he tells them in John, when he's about to ascend, he looks at them and he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then, of course, there's Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission. And he says, all right, as I'm going here, as I'm leaving, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then what's the next phrase? And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is in the context of of mission. I am with you as you are going making disciples. You are not alone. I am with you. And so if we think our only job in life is to, to check off converts for God so we can perform well for God so he can approve us, we have a false picture of what mission's about. But if we think that our primary job is just to kick it with God and not have that flow out into anything that's missional, then whatever it is we're relating to isn't God. Because God is love, and love is action. 
it comes out and it produces and it works. And faith, it takes steps and it trusts and it steps out onto waters that are unknown, you know. And so uh, the Great Commission, the call for God is something that he just puts heavy on us. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise to us because God himself at his core is missional. He's always in action. But it also shouldn't be a surprise to us because in the very beginning, God gave us mission, didn't he? You know, and I I was going to take a little time to kind of develop this, but I'm just going to go right after it. When we were in the garden, God created Adam and Eve. And what did he tell them to do? He had a couple things for them. What did he tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply. Thank you. And he said, take dominion over the earth, right? Here's the earth. Subdue it, which means there's chaos. There's all this craziness around. Subdue it. What does that mean? That means that he takes a rake and he goes out there and he plows the field, you know, and he, and he fertilizes and he's planting seeds and, the, and Eve's coming over and watering the earth. This is before the fall. This is before there's all the thorns and the nastiness and before they hated their jobs and before any of that, God gave them the ability as humans to work, to engage, to be a part of the mission and their job was twofold. It was reproductive to fill the earth and to subdue the earth to fill the earth and to subdue the earth, to reproduce and to cultivate. Cultivate is when we take all the chaos and we put an order about it that reveals something. That's what cultivation is all about. If you look at that, that word cultivate, it's, kind of, it's the same word as culture. It has the, root, the exact same word as culture, which is why like horticulture or agriculture has to do with taking plants and making them in straight rows and making them work and have all that. You know, taking the earth and tilling the earth, that's horticulture, agriculture. Or if you have a person who is cultured, that's a person who holds their teacup like this. You know, they're a cultured person um, and who actually uses their utensils at the table. It brings order to life. And that order, eventually, that word culture, what it came to mean was the commonly held norms in a culture that express the values of that culture. So whatever practices and norms we have that we do together, they express something about what we really appreciate. So we work nine to five. Well, what does that say about us? We have three square meals a day. What does that say about us? You know, there are things about how we work. Everybody has a TV in their home. What does that say about us? You know, and there's, there's things that are the common norms and expressions in a culture that reveal what's underneath, what values we hold. And when we are told to cultivate the earth, to, to bring it into dominion, and to subdue it. That means that we have a job as Christians, a mission as Christians, that in all of this abundant life he's given us, he's given us dominion to take our checkbooks, to take our calendars, to take our relationships, to take our talents, to take all of those things, and to put them into an order that expresses something about who we are and about who God is. That's the redemptive part of the work of God in a Christian is to order our lives. That's the redemptive part of cultivating the earth. So in the Old Testament, it was a rake and it was cultivating. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches all the time about one thing. What's he always teach about? Teaches about one thing. If you have to say Jesus teaches about one thing, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. 
He teaches constantly about the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom, these are the family values of God's house. This is what it looks like to live in my world, to live my way. It means when someone hits me here, I turn here. That's, not, that's the commonly held value of a follower of Jesus is that we turn another cheek. A commonly held value is that we go the extra mile. A commonly held value is we're not worried. Is that a commonly held value of the church today in America? We're not worried. We're good. We're good. We got God. We're good. Let me tell you how good we are. We are good. We are okay. We are taken care of because the kingdom of God is a place where we don't worry. So that's the kingdom of God. As Christians, part of our mission, the redemptive work of God after creation and after the thorns came up and all of that, when Jesus came and returned, he took those two simple things that Adam and Eve had of cultivating and reproducing and he brings them into a new covenant and he says, I still want you to cultivate. This time, you're not just cultivating the ground, you're cultivating the soil of human hearts and the relationships between them. That's why everything in the kingdom of God hangs on these two commandments, that you love God and you love one another. And so everything has to submit to that. And our lives, we should be thinking regularly, like if a farmer sits there and looks at his garden or looks at his crops and says, is that lining up with the way that's going to flow best for these crops to produce the most fruit and all of that? I don't know anything about all that. But as, as the farmer is sitting there looking at that and, and observing his farm and saying, are we doing this effectively? We should all be looking at our lives regularly according to the word of God and saying the mission by which I know Jesus is that he's invited me into kingdom life and he is the king and he sets the parameters. So I actually have to look, take inventory of my life and say, am I in submission to the king so that I'm walking out kingdom? That's the cultivating side of the mission. But there's also the reproductive side. Right? And so the family, you remember um, it, there was the, the, the blood family of the Old Testament, and Jesus doesn't in any way destroy the blood family. He comes to fulfill it. He improves on any, anything that he put in place in the Old Testament, he improves upon in the New Testament. And so Jesus improves upon the family in the New Testament. How does he do that? Well, there's that moment where they're like, your brothers and your sisters are here, wait, your brother, your mom, they're here waiting for you. And what does Jesus say? My brothers and my sisters are the ones who do the will of my father. And so he expands the definition of family. So then what is reproduction? What does it mean to fill the earth? It means to fill the earth with those who do the will of my father, which means go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything my father has commanded, everything I've taught you. And so the reproduction for a Christian is not just making babies, although that's one way to do it. You can make babies and then you can raise up the kids in a way that, that honors the father. But it's also that there's a spiritual reproduction, right? And so that's the, that's the part of the mission for us is that we're seeking and saving those who are in need of a deep relationship with God, who are stuck in that place where their lives are consumed by the general culture of our world that spews things that are not coming from the scripture, that are not coming from the king, and that look enticing, but at the end, they don't lead to life. And then there's the other way, which is the kingdom way, and part of our job in mission is to invite people and teach them how to walk in that. So that's the, the two uh, pieces of our, 
of our uh, mission are those two things. Now, here's, the, here's where it comes back around, and, and, um, and we're going to wrap up here. So this is where it comes back around, that as we engage in mission, these are the places where our own walk with God come awake and come alive. I just want to challenge us, each one of us this morning, that if you have a hunger and a thirst for more of God, that there is a pretty decent chance that the place where you're going to experience more of God is when you step into the mission more fully. Whether that's the mission of cultivating my life to create a kingdom culture in my family and in my church and in, and in my neighborhood and in my workplace where I'm trying to bring that stuff into submission and the dominion of God influencing the way I know how to influence or whether that's praying for those who I know need to hear the gospel of Jesus who haven't been introduced to a living relationship with the God of the universe yet that as I step into that mission, God will meet me there in special ways. My own journey is marked by moments of mission. I just talked uh, a little earlier about my relationship with Jay and how we got dragged out on the high street with our buddy. We had this thing called Operation Freedom, you know, where we would go around and we would talk to people about the Lord and we had no idea what we were doing at all. No idea what we were doing. And I totally got guilt-tripped into it. I didn't do it out of the goodness of my heart. I did it out of like... I was like embarrassed because everyone else was doing it and I wasn't and I didn't think I was a good enough Christian or something like that. But then as soon as I saw people experiencing the gospel for the first time and I watched it touching their life, something in me started to shift and I started to realize, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, the person on high street and my own life. And whatever it is that they're experiencing from the gospel, I want to experience. And I can mark, you know, I went to school, and when I was in Chicago, I remember seeing these guys on the street who didn't have shoes in the middle of the winter in Chicago. And I'm like, i got to find these guys' shoes. That's kingdom life, right? you got to do something. So I went to the thrift store trying to rub a couple nickels together as a, as a college student to find some shoes and go and, and give shoes. And eventually it develops into this like homeless ministry where God just starts blowing my mind with things that I never understood about the gospel. I encountered a guy who was full on de- uh, demon possessed and I had never experienced that before. And I was like, whoa, every time I mentioned the word Jesus, his eyes would roll to the back of his head and he'd speak in a different voice. And it was all crazy, and I was like, you know? And God was like, it's fine. I'm with you. Just keep walking. You know, just keep walking. That's not the big deal. The big deal is that you're loving me and loving them. And just keep walking. And you always started to experience more and see more. And, you know, every time that there's something in front, God calls us to the next step. And the question is, how can I Right now, God, how would you have me in my life more fully embody the kingdom, advancing the kingdom mentality in my family, in my life, my personal life, my relationships, in my church? How, we, how you connect with Parker Ford Church, what, does, what is the common norm about how we connect with Parker Ford Church? And what does that say about who we are as a body? You know, obviously, if all I do in in uh, at Parker Ford Church is on a Sunday, come in and listen. If that's where I am right now, then I got to listen and I got to hear and I got to partake. The growth of the kingdom of God is 
I want to be an active participant in the organism of the body of Christ. And I'm learning and watching and saying, God, where would you have me involved? If you've invited me into this kingdom life, what's my role? And we're seeking that. And it's not always easy. It's not like, you know, it's not like there's a perfect place that everyone has carved out and someone sees me and like, hey, this is what you were supposed to do. Here it is. It's like a hit here. Boom. That didn't work. Going over here. This kind of works, you know, and it seems like it's okay. And there was a season where that was working. But we're just loving the Lord, working with people, and we're watching to see how we can love and advance kingdom. And for us to be followers of Christ, it means that part of what that means is we've got to follow him actively. Because faith that is not in action is not actually faith. And the whole book of James tells us that. The faith that is not in action is not really faith. And so I can know things and I can understand things, but it's only when I step forward and activate that that it becomes something. So I want to close with these um, reasons to be active in your faith. Okay? Three? Three. The mission is at the center of God's love. If I want to experience God's love, I got to be in the mission with him, right? So I got to activate it. Two, we're part of a family. We're part of a family. And in order to be a part of that family, we have to be active participants in the family. We're not part of just a worship service. We're part of a family. And the more I want the sense of belonging and connectedness in the kingdom of God, the more I need to actively actually engage in that family. The church will be what we make it. The third, we were made for mission. This mission is not a joke. This life is not a simulator. God's mission is not just a, a playpen for his kids. He puts very real consequences on our shoulders. He gives us the earth, and he gives us dominion over it. And he says it's yours to cultivate, and it's yours to fill. And he says that to the church. And there are people and souls in the balance. And we are the salt and the light of the earth. To the extent that we cultivate kingdom mentality, we preserve society. To the extent that we don't, society struggles. To the extent that we are engaged prayerfully in the reproductive part of growing the kingdom of God, we see advancement and reproduction. God does not do it for us. He could. He could. He very easily could. But he chooses to give it to us and entrust us with it in order to have real weight on our shoulders, real responsibility that he gives to us. So if I want to know the Lord more, if I want to know his heart more, if I want to feel and experience what I was designed for, then getting engaged in mission is what I'm called to do. So um, our, our uh, question, our challenge at the end is real simple. It's when it comes to my life, when it comes to how I'm, using my time and talents, how I'm using my resources, how I'm engaging my relationships, how I'm thinking about life. Is there a king who's laying out what that's all about and I'm submitting to it? Or am I just kind of flowing with culture as it is and trying to do as good as I can? If I'm flowing with culture, then I will pretty easily just kind of like, eh, and I'll, I can draw back but I will become less and less human <laughs> to the extent that I engage powerfully in the call that he's given me. I will come more and more awake and experience more of God. God won't be impressed. He loves us no matter what. We don't have to perform for him. You know, he loves us no matter what, but he does call us into something really special 
It's a gift for us. We all get to be a part. It's an awesome thing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your mission. We thank you that you sent out 12 and then you sent out 72. And we thank you that they got to see demons go out and people get healed. And you were like, yeah, 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 that's not the big deal, though. The big deal is your name's in the book of life. You get to have a relationship with me. And you got to experience me as you went into mission with me. And the things that prophets just died to understand, you're getting to experience in real time. And you've invited us, your church, your New Testament church, even the part of it here that we express at Parker Ford, you have given us authority. You've given us dominion. You've given us a role. You've given us gifts. You've given us resources. You've given us time. And we get to take all that and to put it in the garden where we realize we're not just headed back to a Garden of Eden. We're headed to a new Jerusalem, that we are headed to the city of God's people gathered together in worshipful triumph. And you have called us to be architects in your kingdom. And we get to be part of the building. God, we get to be those who are, who are activating that. So we just invite you, God, to move profoundly in our spirits. When they were in the upper room praying, you hit them with your spirit, and immediately they began to praise you. And then Peter stood up and started speaking the word, and they were, their lives were transformed, and they lived a radical kingdom life. Father God, we thank you for that picture in the scriptures. We recognize that we can't just make that happen that that's the transformative work of your spirit and your word in our lives. We ask for a very simple thing right now, that whatever the next step is, when it comes to how we use what you have given us to further advance your kingdom and therefore to know you more, I ask that right now in this moment of quiet before we close, that you would put something, just one thing, something on our heart a person to pray for, a behavior to change, an action to engage. Give us something, God. Very practical, please. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work in us. Father God, reveal your glory through your church. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week.